Like Almighty One, our sacrifice begins. We commence. Spellberg, a podcast about the Dungeon Crawl Classics role-playing game. It's time to party like it's 1974. From parts unknown, secret knowledge, sacred rituals, and exotic practices, marvel at the beauty of unbridled humankind. We have scoured the highest mountains, the driest deserts, the hottest jungles to add some spice to your life. On this episode of Spellburn, we bring you one of the most welcoming, imaginative, and brutal DCC judges, fresh from getting his tattoos shaved, that's right, strongman extraordinaire, Judge Tim DeShane. I'm Judge Jen, with me tonight are Judge Julian. It's, no, it's really me. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, it's going to be like that. Uh, We also have Judge Jeff. Um, Jen, I would like to point out that according to page eight of one of us is actually strong person. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> and our special guest for his first time as a guest on the show, Judge Tim. Yeah. Yes, actually, it is my first time as a guest, but I got to host first. That's amazing, right? Like that's kind of, I don't know, that's probably how Jeff and Julian did it, right? Where you guys weren't ever guests before you were hosts, were you? No. I don't think anybody knew who I was before I was a host. Oh, For Tim, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Does that mean that's like a, a not a demerit, but a demotion? I don't know. But wow. so yeah, if I'm anyone sorry. didn't listen to the April Fool's Day episode, I was uh, I was Judge Julian, um, and I was at first t- talking to Jeff about trying to actually do a Julian impression, and I realized I could not. And he was Jeff was like, "Just do it yourself anyway. It'd be even funnier just to be like." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm Julian. Yeah. 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 And especially since Julian was the one that never had me on the show when he told me he would after oh, getting out of Hobbs bathroom interview. <laughs> uh, I say a lot of things in the bathroom that never <laughs> that never come true. So hey, let's uh take it over to the tavern and maybe skip the uh portalettes this time around. Welcome, I only had one drink to calm my nerves. And give a drink of your most expensive. Tavern talk. So it's been a while since we've actually gotten together. Um, Jeff, what's been going on with you as far as gaming specifically, like DCC goodness, the last couple of weeks? Well, for the past couple of weeks, uh, the only gaming I think I've been doing is my uh, two weekly games. So I, I, I feel like two weekly games is somehow like not enough. But uh, <laughs> But yes, I'm in two weekly games. One is DCC, one is not. Um, but yes, DCC... Um, in terms of DCC, I am doing Blades Against Bandwidth with our, with our buddy here, Tim DeShane, and we are now in Lankmar, and I am playing Ka'a, the humble priest of uh, Mog. And You're still alive? The, I'm still alive. Impressive. <laughs> yes, yes. I am, I am also impressed because my of my tendency with wizards to burn them down to zero immediately and then have them get killed, um, I have been very cautious with 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 spell burning down to zero since this is not a convention game that is not to say that i have not been spell burning but um i have not yet had a moment where i'm just like all right i'm burning everything down to one <laughs> um i've not because you know brendan a- would be standing there going 
Yes, excellent. <laughs> well, and also because I know I have to play that character again next time. Yeah. <laughs> That's more the reason. Um, but other than that, I've also been running my weekly D&D game with my group. And um, I don't think there's anything that, int- I mean, there's plenty of stuff going on, but I don't feel like there's anything like I have to report, like that's super exciting that the listeners need to hear about. Um, but both of them have been a great time and I'm glad to be getting some regular gaming because I'm just, I'm so damn busy right now. And I feel like between my 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 twice weekly RPG games and my return to my Sims 4 obsession. These are the things that are keeping me sane right now. Role-playing games and The Sims. Oh, wait. Actually, can I talk about The Sims for a quick second? No. (laughs) What the hell is wrong with you? (laughs) I I feel like I really want to share this. So I'm playing The Sims right now, and I'm doing a couple of things in The Sims. For one thing, I am recreating scenes from Dark Shadows. And I'm not doing this for an audience. I'm not recording this. I'm just doing this for myself. Um, But also, um, my boyfriend and I have been watching the John Wayne Gacy documentary. So I'm also in the process of recreating John Wayne Gacy's childhood in uh, The Sims. (laughs) I feel like we should be doing this in Gathertown instead. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that little John Wayne, as he gets older, is going to start hiring a bunch of young uh, young teenage boys as contractors, and he might start a, a basement collection. Wow. <laughs> when when you say basement collection, my brain immediately goes to the cask of Amontillado. And uh-huh. yeah, yeah they, uh, certain people just need to be locked behind walls. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah. Hey, uh, Julian, uh, tell me you have something uh, DCC related. It's going to be really hard <laughs> to follow that. Uh, Sort of. Do it anyway. <laughs> well, I don't know the Sims from The Simpsons, but uh, I, I had a great Gary Con, ran a bunch of AD&D, my homebrew Gith Yankee adventure, uh, which was a ton of fun. I had Forrest Aguirre in there as well as um, a bunch of bunch of dudes. I, I had my friend Matt Rose. And uh, anyway, that was just the first night. Then the second night was even wilder. Deck of many things came out at the end, and uh, that was a good time. We had then I got to play in AD and D games with uh, Alan Hammock from uh, who did the Ghost Tower of Inverness, as well as Errol Otis ran an, a D and D game that was Ooh. totally psychedelic, like. It, like you would expect from Errol Otis? It was his art. It, like, it was like, well, everybody is just sort of a first-level fighter, except for these things, which have nothing to do with being a first-level fighter. And you, there's no armor or weapons, but you all have this malleable crud that you can shape into things. I mean, I don't know. It was just awesome, you know, and it was just right out of Errol's head and somehow was totally bizarre and also made perfect sense at the same time. In, in its context, you know. Um, so that, that was really fun. Um, played with Alan Grohe as well, uh, who does uh, Black Blade stuff with uh, Taco John, right? Yeah. And uh, that was a super fun game. Another deck of many things came out at the end. And, uh, other, and then also played Astonishing Swordsmen and Sorcerers of Hyperborea. I don't know if I got the acronym totally right there with Tim. Uh, yeah, so that was a really good game. I uh, had fun. Uh, what did we did Pharaoh, right? Is that what I... No, we did the um, the one about the Trapper who... Oh, yeah, Late Trapper's Lament. It's yeah. a, a soon-to-be-released 
Yeah, um, yeah, it was good times, and uh, it was my first time with that. Had a, I, I really, really like that world and that setting and stuff. So it was just fun for me to um, jump in there. And I've been reading some of those adventures; they are terrific. And then uh, lately, I've been running a lot of X Crawl. So just ran a couple games at ReaverCon. Had my first legacy character come in, official legacy character come Ooh. into a game that I was running. And exit and also leave the game I was running. And, survived. Uh, yeah, okay. survived. And so ran a couple second level X crawls and then played in Matt Tall's Crawl Jammer game uh, just Sunday night. So that was a blast. Hello, Matt, if you're listening. And uh, he made it, he just made a class up on the character sheet. And he was like, Well, I made a class up. It's all you really need to know is on the character sheet. So if you want to play it, just play it. Actually, actually, he said, here are the pregens. And I said, I really want to play the lizard man. And then I showed up and he's like, oh, I gave the lizard man to another guy. But you can play my homebrew character guide that's on the character sheet. And uh, actually, it was really fun. I had a blast with that. So uh, sorry, that was a whirlwind tour. A lot of name dropping. Um, I hope you know all those people because if you don't, well. You should because they were all really cool people that you mentioned. They're pretty, pretty cool. Who is your favorite of those people? Um, Errol Otis. I mean, come on. <laughs> and who's your least favorite? Oh, gosh. You know... You can say me, Julian. It's okay. Uh, it's not I mean, no time. one's going to argue with Errol being your favorite. <laughs> it's, yeah. Well, I think we better just... I, I try to keep it positive. I really try to just keep it positive. That's all I'm going to say. Jeff's a troublemaker, but we know this. Actually, <laughs> actually, I don't have anything bad to say about any of those people, but I will say one of those games, out of all the ones I mentioned, sucked. Um, not Tim's, obviously, because he was there. <laughs> okay. he, he knows better. but um, And obviously not Errol's or Matt's, because wow. I was raving about him. But um, one of those games was... I, I shouldn't say it sucked, but it was... Wow, I had no idea Crawl Jammer was so bad. <laughs> no. Anyway, enough said. But there, right there, there, is, there is a reason why my last name is Goad. <laughs> I mean, right. it, I, I think you're putting the cart before the horse there. But yeah. Uh, Tim, how about you? I've kind of started to take a slow, um, like, downturn kind of break from gaming. I, I finally got burnt out on the virtual. Um, just something about, like... We end up doing, I mean, I love the getting together and BSing with my friends, but it gets to be a lot to try to um, MC a game and keep everybody from talking over each other and, and focused. And it really happened with, I was running Forbidden Lands on Thursday. And there's a lot of, what I love about that game is it doesn't poo-poo travel, right? Like travel is like a big part of that game. Um, and it requires the players to like, take roles with their characters, like who's going to be the, 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 the pathfinder, who's the logistician type, you know, all that stuff. And it just became a lot of like people yelling at each other and metagaming and being like, Hey, you should be doing this. So it kind of burnt me out, but I was already on the, Oof. on the cusp. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it still, took you a year. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, and before that, there were times I was playing four or five times a week. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm still doing Sunday mornings with Brendan and our um, so it's our New England crew plus Brendan since he was formerly of of New England. We do every Sunday morning RPG church. Um, nice. I run. I'm running either DCC set in Dolmanwood during that, or oh, cool. I am running a uh, Labyrinthford Barrow Maze, um, depending. So like the the Dolmanwood is kind of more of our 
everyone's got to be there for it. It's kind of like much more of like a, you know, narrative um, fairy tale-ish. I don't want people to miss parts of the story. And we kind of, we will end halfway between dungeon sessions and things like that. Where Barrow Maze, I keep it much more old school. Like they start and finish outside the dungeon. I don't care if everyone's there, you know, every game. Um, it's kind of like our forever game. Um, but we're also using it as a, let's try different systems. And right now we're actually, our, our buddy BC is running Silent Legions for us. And we're playing through some classic uh, Call of Cthulhu scenarios, but in Silent Legions. Um, Whoa. I, I don't know Silent Legions. What is it's it? a Kevin Crawford um, of like Stars Without Number. Mm-hmm. It's his kind of mythos. But the, oh. coolest, the coolest thing about it is like all of his games, his GM tools are amazing. And he has GM tools to make up your own mythos. So that way your players can be surprised. So it's not just like endless deep ones and things of that nature. You know, it could be just weird stuff that... Um, the GM puts together. Tim, I, I thought you. I thought for a minute you meant that you were playing through the Barrow Maze, and you guys were taking turns running Barrow Maze with different systems, like each time. Oh, that would be cool. Wouldn't no, it, be, yeah. it would be, and I was like, well, it'd be kind of a hassle to convert the, you know, over yeah. and over again, but it would be pretty neat, actually. Yeah. One thing that I've always thought would be fun is if you played a game where when you were doing um, kind of like interdimensional travel, when you travel to a new dimension, you're now using a new game system. Oh, yeah. It could kind of, that kind of be like Flail Snails back in the old days, in the, in the Google Plus days, when you could just pretty much play whatever, as long as the as long as long the GM was like, yeah, that's cool. Um, also, well, Torgy, I, I know this is, this is... This is out of left field, but uh, my boyfriend just sent me a text for, uh, with a link to a, an Elvira mouse pad with a uh, silicone gel rest um, um, wrist rest. How amazing is that? It's amazing because I love Elvira, <laughs> so that's. I really um, want that. I don't, you know, I'm married. <laughs> Elvira is a lot older than me, but hey, Elvira, if you're listening, I'm still game. If you are. Um, uh, when I was no, like ten, she was my idol. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh, um, I was amazing. When I was when I was twelve, my my mom's my mom had married a guy who worked in a bar, and the bar he worked at had one of those cardboard cardboard cutouts of Elvira holding a Coors Light tray with a little dagger in her belt, and I begged for him to get it for me, and he did. So from about the ages of like ten to fourteen, I had an, an Elvira a life size Elvira cardboard cutout in my bedroom. That is far more information than we ever needed, Jeff. Tim, back to your gaming. <laughs> yeah, so I just wanted. So there was just two more things. Obviously, uh, Jeff already mentioned Blades Against Bandwidth. I'm playing Gon Batara, the Mingle Warrior. I'm the only warrior in the entire group, which is kind of cool. And I'm the only Mingle as well. Um, Interesting. Uh, that's really, it's been a lot of fun. Um, Brendan How, and I. How's the rotating uh, character doing? Septus or? Yeah, is he still alive? He is. Wow. Surprising. Not not when I get him. Yeah, when you come back, you you killed the first rotating character, so you can kill Septus, too. Um, Damn it. (laughs) Sorry. Game therapy with Brendan on Thursdays, but that's taking Mm -hmm. a pause in in its current format because I'm now working at the time game therapy usually starts. So, Joseph, if you are a third-party publisher, you probably got an email from Joseph. He is opening up game therapy to be a, a show for third-party publishers to showcase their game. So, like, run a game on the Twitch channel. Everyone gets to see, um, you know, see yeah. your system or your, or your adventure. Julian, mm. you should take a day off and run uh, Nowhere City Nights. I didn't get that email, so apparently. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> it might also be on the website. I haven't checked the website in a while. Um, but, yeah, so, like, I took My some bad. Turn- <laughs> I was running some games, you know, for every once in a while on that, but I was playing most of them on Thursday. 
but my coolest, and this is kind of Julian completely reminded me, I got invited to play a game with Terry Olson running. Um, he ran uh, Escape from the Shrouded Fen. Uh, and it was a very special guest player, Mr. Errol Otis. Nice. So I was like, I'm going to get to play DCC with Errol Otis. This is amazing. And then even cooler on top of that, uh, Terry was like, hey, Tim, you know, like, I know like you're not super into Roll20, but you know how to use it. Uh, Errol needs some help. Would you be able to meet with him for like an hour before the game to run him through like how to use Roll20 for GaryCon? Oh, dear Lord. And I'm like, are no you pressure. asking me to like have like a one-on-one session? Just hanging out with Errol Otis in Roll20 and showing him like how to push buttons. That's amazing. This this um, is like the gamer's equivalent of clutching the pearls. Oh, yes. So wow. that was, I was freaking out. I took pictures and was sending them to Brendan. Actually, Brendan came on with, Brendan's like, dude, I'm coming on to that as well. So it was me, Brendan, and Errol Otis. And we got to play with Errol. Um, no pressure for Terry, too. It's Jeez. just, I, I meant to, um, I have a t-shirt with all my, fa- some of my favorite TSR era artists like from BX and AD&D days and Errol's name's right on top. And I, I was going to wear it, but then I just was like, I can't, it's too much. You know, I can't like be playing with this dude with his name on my shirt. Um, uh, what yeah. show that you're a fanboy? Yes. I, I, um, some of us have less shame than others. It's all yes. good. Anyway, that's pretty much been my, my gaming lately. Awesome. Uh, for myself, it, there's been very little in the way of, uh, actual gaming meetings and whatnot. Um, our Shutter Mountains party is only gathered like every other week at this point. Um, I ran the required four games at Gary Con, and Tim here was super awesome and put together a Gather Town oh, with yeah. the beautiful reverse sailors map on it and everything. Um, Wait, real so quick, that, when you say the required four games, what do you mean required? Um, Who's requiring that you play front no, four games? No, I, I required it of myself because I had signed up to play or signed up to run the four games, you know, enough to get the T-shirt, blah, 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 uh, at GaryCon last year. And then I had to pull out with less than a week's notice because of the whole dad thing. So I required it of myself to go in and uh, run DCC and... Because I put my games in so early, I ended up with a lot of early signups, and it was a bunch of people I didn't know. And so I ended up getting a lot of people that were new to DCC, even for like the sandboxing games that I ran for Lankmar. Um, and bless his heart, my very last game was a little bit trying. And Hector Cruz was in there with me, and he's just like, man, I want to have fun, but... And so I used Zoom to kind of chat with people individually while everything was going in the windows and that seemed to bring things to an even keel because i was like hector man speak up if you need to telling the other people all right i just you know i need to make sure everybody gets equal screen time here keep it cool and yeah it ended up working a, a lot better than anticipated especially with the uh level of patience i didn't have anymore um besides that just been a, a lot of editing. Um, I helped out on a project that uh, Don Stroud and James Posenell were doing for the Unveiled Elysians zine, part of Zine Quest. Um, I'm like this close to being done with the giant binder ODCC Dying Earth. And 
And I was also tasked with taking a look at the uh, proofs for the DCC Day adventures, which I don't know if they've been properly announced yet or if they were just announced like in passing on the What's New with Goodman Games seminar, which sadly did not get recorded. They didn't have the Gary Khan channel set up to record, which is a bummer. Otherwise, we would have totally grabbed all the video and mm-hmm. audio and, you know, shared it with you guys, our, our listeners here like we used to. Uh just ripping all the audio for it. But um, the big announcements from that, of course, were, hey, DCC Dying Earth is coming very, 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 very soon. Uh, quite possibly, like, late June. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Um, on DCC Day, uh, adventure number two is Beneath the Well of Brass by Harley Stroh. And for some of us who really, really, really love the idea of adventure number 100... Um, there's some really awesome takeaways that that are very related. And then um, the Dying Earth module, Fathoms Below Witch Isle, will appear in the DCC Day Adventure Pack, which is going to be another three-pack like last year, along with our own Julian here uh, with Temple Temple Siege, which is for DCC and... uh, the Never One Rock is the MCC module that it's in there. Um, it's actually a prequel to last year's adventure, and that one was written by Bob Brinkman. So it's been a lot of fun to go through all of those things and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> uh, that is my list. I think uh, possibly summon a couple emails and then get on to uh, drilling Tim for some info. Who's Tim? Oh, Tim, Tim, him, down in the lower, the right, the lower corner. Oh, yeah. I call upon the flame to suddenly. Who will deliver the message for me? I came here to give you these facts. Summon email. <laughs> Bernick. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bernick, just for that, you can read the first one. All right. And pretend to like it. All right, here we go in the email bag. Uh, This one appears to be from Dennis Beecher. Uh, He writes in, I just listened to Nacho's question from episode 105 about running very intelligent villains and thought of a piece of combat advice I'd heard on this a while ago. When running a hyper-intelligent villain in combat, require the players to announce their actions for the round before determining what the villain's action will be. This represents the brilliant NPC's ability to read their opponent's intentions in advance. And also gives the GM a little time to formulate. Uh, I mean, that's kind of what he's saying, obviously. Um, Dennis Beecher. Thank you, Judge Dennis. Good idea. Um, I think it makes sense. It's a little counterintuitive if you don't run DCC that way, which mostly we don't, probably. But, uh, yeah, I think that's a pretty good, pretty good call. Thanks for also mentioning which episode that was, because I was at a loss, but... Um, Okay, that's good. Episode 105. That was a cool question we had. Uh, do you guys also, have any other thought on that? I, I feel like there's an even easier way to do that, and that's just not to discourage meta table talk while that's going on and just keep your ears open to what they're saying. I like that. It's evil. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This is one of those parts where I kind of wish our listeners could see us in the yeah. little squares because we're all just sitting here <laughs> grinning like idiots. Oh, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, 
Thank you, Dennis, for the email. And uh, I'll say that we've almost caught up with last year's inbox. (laughs) We'll get there. (laughs) Jeff, you want to take a stab at the next one? Sure. This one appears to have been sundered in twain. Uh, It's from Judge Matthew. um, And it says, hello, Spellburners. I have a few subjects to discuss with you. Number one, in regards to the question in the mailbag regarding the direction of the podcast, what I think I understand by John Williams's comment is that initially the podcast started with lots of rules discussion and it evolved to a more product discussions to it evolved to more new product discussions and interviews. Honestly, it's the logical conclusion and it's great. There's no point going back and rediscussing the classes, spell duels, etc. unless there is a specific reason to do so. For example, the arrival of the DCC annual. I have to say that your podcast is one of the few that offers a lot of variety between guest appearances, special occasion, actual play, new product discussion, etc., while still staying focused on a single product, DCC. Number two, I'm not sure if it's within your scope, but would it be possible to discuss Metamorphosis Alpha and Doom on the Warden? And, if possible, discuss with Jim Ward. I backed the Kickstarter and included an MA rulebook in my order, so I'm brand new to the game, and it doesn't seem to be a topic you have already covered. Please keep doing the great work that we appreciate. So awesome. Well, thank you for the kind words and the words of encouragement, and it's nice to hear that what we're doing is working for you. Um since we are a DCC podcast, it, 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 it would seem odd to me to do um, an episode on Metamorphosis Alpha unless we were doing it on like how you can use it in your DCC game. But I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, I mean, I think MA, well, you guys don't even really do a lot of MCC stuff, right? You guys leave that to Glowburn. Um, but that Pretty could much. Be a, yeah, that could definitely be, um, you know, if James Walls wants to, co- to do that in, MC- in MCC, I think it would really, really fit. And then you guys could definitely, DCC and MCC, it's all plug and play. I think yeah. it's so similar that. It's the same game. Yeah. I, I think uh, I, I wouldn't, if I was a listener, I wouldn't balk at it at all. And I don't have any problem if we were going to get Jim and do it, honestly. I mean, you know, I might say, I might check in with those guys and say, are you going to do this? Like, just not to logistically step on anybody's toes, but if they don't have any plan like that. we we It does say DCC and old school games, right? I think, or it used to in the bumper in the original. Uh, spell, uh, it's a podcast about the Dungeon Crawl Classics role-playing game. <laughs> oh, I, I, I swear I'm, to God, I'm, the I'm old just one. saying that... <laughs> I'll ha- I will... Uh, no, I, I, well, anyway. Now, now, I say that as a, as a huge fan of M.A., and I mean, I'm super sad because we haven't been able to play since what first week of March 2020, and we were in Epsilon City. Yeah, I, I would love to play this more. Well, uh, and my and- thinking is, if we start doing this, where's it going to stop? Next thing you know, you're going to have things like me talking about Sims Four uh, nonstop. <laughs> right. So it's like, wh- where is this going to end? <laughs> That is a very, very fair point. <laughs> I mean, you guys got people that are mad enough at you for having interviews. Never mind going this way away from DCC. <laughs> and this coming from the interviewee. Yeah, okay, Tim. <laughs> what we really need is a Jim Ward actual play. 
Um, everybody mm. will get the really short, concise episode. I was going to say, that, it'll be our shortest episode ever. That they want, yes. And uh, it doesn't hey, really hey, matter I've, the game I've heard system. some lasting as long as, you know, 45 minutes. That, that yeah. would be just fine. <laughs> exactly. Um, so anyway, I would, you know what? If we get a thunderous avalanche of email telling us they want to hear a M.A. Jim Ward episode of, of uh, Spellburn, mm-hmm. I'm cool. I mean, we'll get to those emails in a couple of months. <laughs> well, yeah, well, sometime in 2022. And it'll probably take us 12 or 13 episodes to get through those emails. But once we've gotten through all of them, yeah, then we can consider it. We've got to have a mail mailbag extravaganza again. Yeah. Um, well, they've, they've slowed down a little, too, though, because we haven't had a lot of episodes. Well, to so, that point, uh, Judge Matthew, the, the reason I split this email is because it's so ginormous. Um, So he continues his previous email and says, I have one question for the group that comes from the Goodman Games Forum. It almost keeps me awake at night. It's regarding the spell Color Spray, page 135 of the DCC Core rulebook. My favorite spell. (laughs) Color Spray spell keeps winning battles. Per forum member Universal Head, as a third level wizard with an intelligence of 13, he only needs to roll an 8 to blind the target if it makes a save, and a 14 to knock it unconscious if it fails two saves. Since the target has to make a save with a DC equal to the spell roll, the blinding save is at least a 20, which is tough to make even with good save modifiers. So, practically speaking, it boils down to just needing to roll a 14 plus to stop any extremely powerful creature in its tracks. And this is all without bringing in Spellburn. As an aside, like Jeff does. My issue is that aside from the save mods, and the saves get extremely difficult when a wizard is getting 20 plus spell check results, there's no defense against this tactic for really powerful entities. Of course, lots of forum members suggested different ways for the judge to counter it, but the question is is color spray too powerful? Thanks again and take care. Okay, I'm. This is a good question no matter what, but I'm a little confused on the math. How, how <laughs> don't does... sweat the math, man. Yeah, well, I'm I don't just, want that I'm to just be reading the it from the email. <laughs> well, no, seriously, though, because it makes a big difference because he's right that it, you need an 8 only because you'll hit a 12 with a plus 3 level and plus 1 intelligence. You'll hit mm-hmm. a 12. But making a 12 save is not too hard for critters you're fighting at third level, usually. And, f- and at 14 again, same thing. So when he says, th- since the target has to make a save with DC equal to the spell roll, yes, true. The binding save is at least a 20. I, uh, how would it mm-hmm. be at least a 20? Mm. That Blind, yeah. I'd have to go look in the rule book to actually look yeah. at the... I, I, don't think it, I don't think that's right, actually. It, it um, doesn't well, sound right, at least from the way it was written. Rather than proofreading his email, I'm going to go ahead and respond <laughs> to the actual um, question he's asking us, uh, which is, is the spell too powerful? I will say yes, and so is Bless, and Ekim's magic- mystical, yeah. mystical Mask is too weak. So, like, whatever. Like, Who it's DCC. <laughs> Who cares? Exactly. <laughs> yes, some of, the pow- some of the spells are way too powerful. Some of them are practically useless. Who cares? Like, <laughs> yeah, it's magic. You know, it's magic. Well, that's true. Anyway, and I, and actually, I think um, more to the point, specifically, it's actually good that you can get past some of those encounters without a thirteen-round whiff fest. Sometimes, yeah. you know, it actually keeps things lively. Uh, you know, real fights between people don't go on for two hours, right? Like, 
people generally kind of punch somebody and somebody eventually falls down and hits their head or something. You know, I I would only add that um, if you're that worried about it and you know that somebody in the party has color spray, give your big bad guy magic resistance of some sort or or. You know, or, more powerful uh, will saves. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Or I would just say just or or just lean into it more. You know, it's like, yeah, these things are really powerful. But ask yourself, like, why does it bother you that it's powerful? And like, mm-hmm. figure out what your answer to that question is. Yeah. You know, because maybe it has less to do with is the spell too powerful? Do my players have something that I that, you know, they can't be trusted with or whatever? It might have more to do with the fact that like, you know, are you like just feeling kind of stressed out about the fact that these players have something so powerful? And if that's the case, like, you know, lean into that that discomfort and like find out like what is it that's like freaking you out about this thing and challenge yourself to move past it. Or I um, agree one hundred percent. Or just play a game with a flatter power curve, right? And you know. Yeah. And, you know, because you can play OSE and stuff that doesn't. So we've got that. Judge Jeff giving you the psychological angle and Judge Julian saying, uh, if you don't like play it, a pick game. a different game. Yeah. I mean, I think, too, a lot of these times, like you look at these questions and there's, you know, you look at them. It's like it's almost like judging a game based on just reading the book and not playing it. Right. Like we're doing an academic kind of breakdown of, you know, you look at the table and you're like, oh, wow. But it never ends up. Like I've seen some really powerful color sprays, but it's usually like a culmination. Like the party's gonna wipe. Um, the, the wizards like, hey, this is my last ditch, and they spell burn a bunch, and yeah, they put a city block. You know, either oh, yeah. kill them or knock them out, or whatever, right? But it, it, DCC to me is like whenever I run it, it's so swingy that really like that wizard's probably gonna roll a two. You know, like oh yeah, the, it's it's. I think that DCC has so many built-in fail-safes for stuff like this. But, like, one number one, like, you have to get that spell randomly if you're actually playing it rules as intended, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a whole lot of things that have to happen before you get to even cast this spell. Um, and I don't want to... I wouldn't want to nerf one of my players' PCs, you know, just because... You know, so I'm not, I'm not very adversarial judge. Um, and I agree with Jeff. Like, if it comes down to it, like, if maybe if there's, like, a reoccurring villain and now they know that they have to watch out for this dude or they've heard stories, then maybe they'll have some sort of like counter for it. But for the most part, like usually the dice work in your favor as the judge and like, yeah, that, that dude's going to roll a one eventually on that color spray. And hopefully he also spell burned a whole bunch before he did it. You know? Oh yeah. No, my NPCs are usually the ones rolling the ones on the saves, but thanks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So pop quiz, does color spray work on un- undead? Jen? I don't see why not. Jeff? Um, I, I mean, I'm not looking at the rule book, but I would say that in terms of making something go unconscious, I would say you can't make something undead fall unconscious, but I think you can absolutely make something undead go blind. Yeah, yeah. But likewise, I would say a monster with no eyes, you could make it go unconscious, but you can't make it go blind because it's using some kind of a sense other than its vision. Yeah, I mean, a skeleton sort of appears to see, but it doesn't actually have eyes. A skeleton, I would maybe say, is immune to being blinded. But if we're talking about like a vampire, a vampire can be blinded in my eyes, at least. Tim, what do you think? (laughs) I'm of the same mindset. I know probably I would look it up. And it's just because of having so many different editions of, you know, different role-playing games of undead being immune to like mind-affecting spells and things of that nature. But But is color spray mind-affecting? Yeah, I picture color spray as like it's it's literally blinding. It's with colors. It's blinding the physical uh, eyeball. 
I mean, it's it a feels will more save. like a. It feels more like a fort save, though. I don't know. Because it's a will save, I probably would. I would defer to it being, quote unquote, mind affecting. I guess. But okay. No, I, I, yeah. I'm I'm with Tim there. I think yeah. Um, but like I, but I, I think Jeff's handling of it. If it's not spelled out in the rules, which I mean, the biggest joke that we always make on Blades Against Bandwidth, me and, and Brendan and I, is like, no, like you can run this game. I don't know that many people that are like rules wonks with DCC, like because just we don't care enough. We're we're, <laughs> we're like, um, the story is more important, comfortable enough to like make rulings, right? And mm-hmm. I, I would say though, but I think so. Without looking at the rules, I would agree with pretty much with the Jeff. Like if they seem to have a natural immunity to being blind to begin with, well then that wouldn't work. And if they seem to have some sort of natural immunity to being knocked unconscious for whatever reason, then that wouldn't work either. So I think we beat this one on the ground. Uh, thank you, uh, judges, for your emails. And to our listeners, go go ahead and hit us at theband at spellburn.com, and we promise we'll get back to you eventually. Let the combat begin! Why behold our hero? Huh. So you want to play rough, eh? Let's take this! Mighty deeds. All right, let's, uh, let's talk to Tim about his current quests, shall we? Mm-hmm. Um, Judge Tim, you know the drool. Uh, I'm I really do know s- drool. I'm really <laughs> sorry, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't apologize to me. That's staying in. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> All right. Y'all know the drill. Uh, basic interview questions and crap. Uh, how and when were you drawn to DCC? Uh, it was right around 2012. Um, my friends and I, I've had the same gaming group in my life for since I was probably 14 and we played a lot of, uh, AD and D second edition together. And we were early adopters of all the f- subsequent editions of Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and I started getting really burnt out around the 3.5 era. Um, a lot of them, like just the min maxing and the character builds and it became a game like that. I just wasn't super into. Um, and I remember looking, um, for, alternatives and one of them that came up in a forum that i was a member of was dungeon crawl classics and the other was dungeon world um and my first actual time running dcc was i ran sailors uh, not sailors i ran portal under the stars but i ran it in dungeon world um because i didn't think my friends were going to be like ready enough yet for <laughs> like the lethal because they had we had strength you know, their, their mindset had kind of transformed from like that early D and D mindset to like more of like the heroic Dungeons and Dragons. And I'm like, man, they're not going to do all, this funnel thing's not going to like work with them. So let's, we'll run it in a very narrative system. Um, so but then, the very first DCC game you ran was converted Pearl. from DCC. Yeah. I just kind of <laughs> ran out on the fly in Dungeon World. Yeah. Um, that hurts. <laughs> yeah. Gen, Gen Con 2015 was the first time I get to actually play, um, as a, you know, sit down as a player. And my first ever DCC game, this is kind of apropos, Jen. My first ever DCC game at a table as a player was the play test for acting up in Lankmar with Mr. Michael Curtis as the judge. Um, Are you serious? It, yeah. And I think it's like a, you know, because that's probably my favorite adventure that I've ever run. Yeah. Um, and it was just like, you know, that was kind of my welcome to DCC. And then that was also the Gen wow. Con year where we did Enter the Dagon. Um, yeah. And Ooh. I had some really cool wizard battles with uh, with Job's daughter. Um, <laughs> it was it was awesome. Eric Dom was trying to coach her, and uh, 
he had a spell burn 20 points to become uh, on a large, right? To become like, like the Titan. And my character had like almost nothing except for Choking Cloud. And I cast Choking Cloud on her. And she had no fortitude save left because she had spell burned all of her stamina, <laughs> right? Um, and I rolled really high. So I ended up actually killing her. Um, and then I looked at Harley and I was like, Harley, wouldn't it really cool? Like if her giant body fell on me, like try to make a luck check. And I ended up not making the luck check and her corpse crushed my character. We both killed each other in the spell duel. It was awesome. Um, but yeah, that was, nice. a great, that was a great, um, great convention, right? That was like my first time ever really, uh, it was my first convention ever. You know, it was my first time meeting everyone in, in the uh, DCC uh, community. Um, and that's what kind of, I see in the show notes, that's kind of kicked off my road crew stuff. Like I hadn't run any road crew DCC uh, before Gen Con of 2015. And I think it's because I never really played in public before. Um, it wilds me out now, like seeing kids with their D and D books, like at school or at the cafe. Like I hid that when I was a child, like that was, <laughs> that was like, you're never going to see another human being naked if you are caught with these books, you know? So like I had a, like, you know, I did well, not admit gee, to being. Well, gee, I'm glad society has progressed. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I just didn't play, and I, got, I, I had, you know, I think I had a little bit of um, performance and anxiety and all the things of this nature, right? So I just, but I got over it because of that convent, that con, and started running road crew games at my local comic toy store slash game stores. Um, that following the like, following that year. It's funny how that stuff works because I only showed up on the scene one Gen Con later. And I remember like you seemed like you were some like old time like member of like the DCC community. Oh, yeah. So it's funny <laughs> that like you only preceded me by a year. Yeah. You know what's weird? I mean, I, I credit Doug Con for that, I think. Like if you show up to Doug Con, um, yeah. You just like, it's just a, a, you know, that mad fest of like, the shotgun blast of meeting everyone and yeah. and all of a sudden like hey now you're the like yeah you were playing but now you're the judge go you know type thing and yeah it was just a lot of fun um it's true it's kind of an equalizer yeah for sure yeah uh, and I so you, think- so you have seen somebody naked <laughs> like <laughs> not on the he, internet he Does has two kids oh this is kind of it's a mirror <laughs> Jen, my wife has. I haven't seen her naked. She makes me. Um, There's a turn sheet. The I got off. it. Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> okay. So fast forwarding from that, uh, from 2015, you started running tournaments for Goodman. Yeah. At Gen um, Con. So the first one was the was a blackened heart of Thaculon the Undying, if I'm remembering correctly the title. Uh, so and depending on who 17? you talk to, I think there was 17. Yeah. Um, I think this, this, this story is different based on who you talk to, but it's, it was either Brendan and it might've been more Brendan's idea because I knew Harley pretty well. We had seen each other a couple of cons at that point. Um, and he was running it, but I think Brendan, when I said, Hey, if you need a judge, you know, Tim plays a lot of DCC and you know, he'll probably do a really good job for you. Um, that's, you know, that's, that's what. I've heard from Brendan. Um, so nepotism pretty much got me in uh, for uh, <laughs> uh, being a tournament judge. And then very luckily, like I had a couple of really cool um, like scenes, I guess, that Harley was like watching me run. And then he was like, you know, man, I love watching you run games. And it's just awesome. You know, that's pretty awesome to hear from from Harley, right? Because Harley is just an amazing judge. Um, and from there on, a lot of it's Harley. Like I started to, uh, so I did that one. I did, we did Riders on the Flagistan, 
um, which was the play test for that was terrible. I ran that at a Wayne con with Doug as a player, Doug Kovacs. Doug is not a huge fan of tournament type stuff for DCC <laughs> and having him as a player for the play test was just, I think I still have nightmares about it actually. <laughs> and, um, and he might let you know. Yeah. Oh yeah. He, like he, he, he's not one of those players that would just go along with the flow and just be like, yeah, this is terrible, but I'll keep my mouth shut. No, that's just, that's not Doug. So, wow. Um, but the tournament and I really went well that year. And then following was, we did the Lankmar tournament. Um, the greatest thieves. Greatest Thieves. And that for that one was awesome. The Harley reached out and was like, hey, man, I would like for you to write some stuff for this. Um, so I wrote, I think for that one, I only wrote one. I wrote like a trap room, mm-hmm. which is amazing because uh, to see it, uh, Brad McDevitt illustrated the room. Mm, yeah. And to see like something that you wrote and like having like, you know, an, an awesome Goodman artist, like immortalize it in a in a, in a drawing is, is cool. I forget um, which room was that. Um, it's the long hallway with the Indiana Jones style, like blades that come out of it. But okay. there's like the very obvious side door you can go through, but it leads you into like a very dangerous yeah. area. Okay. Cool. Um, so you can so go either way. You can so go. And you may or may not get, survive either way. <laughs> yeah. We actually had, I think in my, one of my tournament games, we had a party get split because some of them decided to like not try and move forward. And they like stayed behind you know, the wall that separates them. Like, so half of them went into the dangerous room. The other half made their way through the, um, through the trap. Holy crap, dude. So your first official writing credit, I'd say official with like quotation marks. And that's rude of me because it actually is an official thing from Goodman is a freaking box set. Right. And that's pretty cool. That, that, that's all. And that's all Harley. That's just like Harley being super supportive and awesome and being like, Hey man, I want you to, to do some stuff. And then uh, I, because of that, I got to write for, so Terry and Mark took over um, the following year. Um, oh, for the sailors. For sailors, return yeah. to sailors. And now I get to, you know, I wrote two rooms for that. And it was oh, interesting cool. because of the way um, Harley was very like, kind of gave you just like evocative, like setting stuff. Like I want, he, here are like the many different kinds of rooms that we could have. Right. Um, and then with Terry, Terry was like, I want this exact sort of, it was very, it was much more defined and kind of structured. Everyone's got their own style. Yeah. yeah. And it was at first it was a little bit hard. Cause I'm like, man, how do I, and I had to start, I had to like, think around, think outside the box. Like Terry was like, I want an armory. And I'm like, man, like an armory is just kind of boring. Like, what am I going to do with an armory? Um, but then I came up with like, it's not really an armory. It's a pit of that vine, vine was yours. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, that was one of them. It was like, yeah. And so instead of just Ooh. being an arms room, it's like where they take all the dead adventurers and throw them into the pit and they turn them into vine horrors. Um, and they just happen to still have all their equipment on them. Um, on behalf of my teammates and I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, uh, for our listeners, you missed a double fingers there. Uh, I, just, just I, I was summoning a little bit of stroh myself. <laughs> yeah. Hi, you know, can we give our listeners, who have never been in a tournament for reals, like the 22nd, like how is the tournament different than a, than a regular D and D game, for instance, just so to let there, people know. Yeah. So there are objectives, right? Like you start off in a scenario and it's scored based on certain, whatever criteria the judge comes up with, right? Like, or I should say whatever Harley and the organizers come up with. So, 
you know, how much luck, luck expenditure is left at the end of the round. Did anyone hit zero? Did anyone die? Um, each room might have specific parameters and, and objectives that you meet. Um, and then at the end of it all, uh, the tournament judges score it all up. And then if you are one of the highest scoring teams based on how you did, you move on to the next. Usually there's either two or three rounds um, and they get they usually get uh, more and more dangerous. And uh, you're playing the same characters so that there's a lot of that um, strategy that comes into play as well. So if you like spell burn your guy down in the first first round and you make it to the second, well, you're playing a dude that's burnt, burnt to the ground, has no luck left or whatever. Hmm. And it's, you know, it takes from the old D and D style tournaments. Right. And then just, um, Harley had the, the hard job of trying to codify the DCC rules enough so that all the judges could be on the same page and be objective about it. Because, you know, that we were, we are a rulings, not rules style game. Um, and there's a lot of leeway for judges to make decisions. So we just kind of had to be like all on the same page. We talked about things beforehand. Um, and then if things come up in the game that we're not sure, We'll usually like call, um, it would usually be Mark or Harley or, or Terry over and be like, hey, this came up. I'm going to handle it this way. What do you think? And then they will let the other judges know in case, you know, that comes up for them as well. So that we're all being um, consistent with each other. Hmm. Um, yeah, that level win, of consistency, man. Yeah. yeah. And if you if you win, you get your name on the gong of doom on a plaque, your team name. Um, yeah. I will say like... People hear tournament D&D and they're like, but it actually like some of the coolest scenes in role playing has happened because the players are really trying to think their way through. Right. And I think it's because they realize that we're even crueler than normal. Like I try to be a pretty objective <laughs> judge and I'm not like a, or I will never like fudge rolls, but like I will maybe like I'll throw more morale checks in to get them out of a tough situation. And maybe they scare the bad guys away before they get TPK or, um, you know, I'll, like, I, I don't ever, like, I don't relish. There's that whole, like, people, like, the joke that people relish in TPKs. And I really don't. Um, but in the tournament, I do. Like, I love being just, like, I am just an elder god. There are bragging rights, yes. Yeah, like, I am, <laughs> I am divorced from your pleasure and pain. And I am just here to, like, run the, the module and to see them really, to understand that. And they, they, they have to come together to think their ways through. Um, it actually ends up making these really cool role-playing experiences as well. So it's not just this kind of like soulless um, point grabbing type thing. Like they're, they're really um, kind of embracing the entire uh, scenario. So it's cool. Well, and part of it too, is they also don't realize what they get points for. Yeah. Yeah. But, al but also you do have a different level of role-playing when you're not just blowing it off and saying, oh, it's a con game and whatever. I don't care if I die an hour, two or three or burn all my spell burn or blah, blah. Like in a, in a weird way, it actually makes you role play more of the, pe the thing that people actually care about, which is staying alive. Yeah. So you yeah. are well, super yes, like. Yes. And you also have to be mindful of the fact that you have X amount of time on the clock. Yes. And yeah. if you yeah, wasted right. role playing. Yeah you're not going to get that many more points usually. Yeah. yeah. They're role playing in a way that instead of like the, the Shakespeare in the park style of role playing that everyone <laughs> thinks of, right? Like they're role playing more and then like they are immersed in their character and like, how would my character have to get through this and doing things that are like, that are in genre. Right. And, and try, trying to think of ways. Yeah. Um, hmm, hmm, hmm. Yeah. So we've but got awesome. the other uh, the return to sailors. 
Return to Sailors uh, will be my next if that if and when that gets published, that will be my next like Goodman. Awesome. Um, credit that's kind of cool. Yeah. But we've got something with your name on it in print now I, in do. our hot little hands. One of us. One <laughs> of us. <laughs> yes. Uh, so this was what part of Zine Quest last year? It or? was 2020. Yep. Okay. Um, we launched it. COVID hit. Um, which could have been awesome. I could have been like, I don't have to do anything but sit in my room and get this thing done. But it actually had the opposite effect. My mental like wellness was just like like tanked, and I almost gave up on it. Like I almost just refunded everybody and was like, uh, yeah, I know this thing's like ninety percent done, but you know, I had a and I gotta give so much love and credit to Matt Hildebrand because he was because <laughs> really it was just the layout that had to get done, and I really had this idea that I wanted to learn and do it myself. And I can do like I can lay out like a '90s punk rock zine, right? Like, like, but I wanted it to look awesome. Like, I had my friends that who I respect both as as friends, but also as artists, and um, they gave me some really cool art, right? Well, I paid them, but you know, either way, they like, they poured their heart and soul into <laughs> yeah, this and gave you me have, really cool. You have art. some kick-ass art in there. Um, and I wanted it. I wanted it to be worthy of it, so I was just like beating myself up and then Matt was like, dude, I will do the layout for you. Um, you know, let me just get this thing out. And he was in the middle of, of he's, he's still, he was still, and probably still is, um, getting out weird frontiers. Um, but I, he was like, I can do this in like a week. It'll be a nice little, like kind of mind wash from, you know, oh, yeah, this the, the small of a stuff's book. easy. <laughs> yeah. Um, and he did, he banged it out and I think it was less than a week. And his first proof was like, how does this look? I'm like, it looks amazing. Let's do this. Um, Awesome. Um, but yeah, so it started off uh, as a as a scenario that my good friend Joey, who Joey. I actually I met wait. through. Wait, wait, no, no. This you this may know is... him as Joey Royale, uh-huh. um, but his his actual name is Joseph Macrino. He is a friend of mine. We Joey. met Joey. through <laughs> the road crew. Um, I actually found the email, and I have a picture of us from that that game. It was at a it was at the Toy Vault, which I think no longer exists um, in Rhode Island. And Joe is from right over the border in Connecticut, and he was on the Facebook group um, for the DCC RPG Rocks. And I had well, I was posting all of my Road Crew game announcements there, and he saw it and he messaged me. He's like, "Hey man, can you please save me a seat? Like I I haven't played this game. I really want to play. I'll come up." You know, and he came up and it, we played the jeweler, uh, the Delton Stardust, and it was extremely fun. We had Joey who had never played. We had a um, maybe like an 11 or 12 year old kid that had never played a game at all. Um, and it just went off awesome. And Joey and I got along really well. Um, we kind of have a twin soul thing going, I think. We have very similar tattoos on one arm. And I'm like, oh, this is my like brother from not even another mother, like but like another universe that's kind of come down. Split um, soul hero. Got yeah. it. <laughs> Um, so Joey started just, he started a convention, a little local convention, just so my friends and I really would go down to Connecticut and play games um, called Drinking and Dragons. And then it turned into this huge, like, uh, convention for uh, charities. So they pick a charity, usually some sort of social justice charity, um, and they get the stores around the area and, and, and gamers to donate things for a raffle. And all that money goes to, you know, some really worthy causes. And Joey's not involved in it anymore. Um, but it just took off from there. And Joey 
came up with one of us for one of the drinking and dragons. It was like a, he had like notes and an outline and he was like, I want to run this. And he, he was telling me about it. He's like, Hey man, like I'm doing this carny thing. And I, as he was telling me, I'm like, this sounds amazing. Like it's so, so evocative and cool. And I love that stuff. I love American folk horror and, and just weird, you know. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say it, it feels like you could easily take it and convert it with shutter mountains or weird frontiers. Yeah. I tried to keep, um, at least in the first issue, I mean, one for matter of space, I couldn't get too, too much into like setting bloat. Right. But I also really wanted to keep it gray enough, like just enough evocativeness that you could run the game, but you can do it in your own style. Like, do you want it to be, do you want it to be in the thirties America? Like my, our kind of implied setting is like probably like sixties or seventies, like after some sort of like nuclear war or something. Um, but if you wanted it to be in the 30s in actual America, or do you want it to be like not even in America, but just in some other fantasy world that happens to have um, this sort of like Dust Bowl? Yeah, I was going to say know. it could easily fit in. I, I mean, having just recently read The Night Circus, uh, remembering way back when the old series Carnival. Yeah. I mean, these are the things that were instantly coming to mind before I even saw any of the visuals that you were printing. I mean, for our listeners, it don't yet have this. Uh, you're missing out on another wonderful list of occupations. Uh, another awesome patron. You've got stretch goal content by Mr. Curtis. Yep. Michael and made some really amazing monsters. Dude, the oh. dust itself has stats. Yeah. <laughs> that is amazing. So, and that was my friend Chris. So uh, on the, for the art, we have uh, contributions from my buddy, my buddy Chris Dodd, who is one of our Sunday morning game groups for the RPG church. Um I actually met him. He's hilarious. He lives maybe 20 miles from me. He's also a Rhode Island guy. We met for the first time at Gen Con 2015 or whatever, or 2016. Like we met, <laughs> he's like, yeah, man, I'm from, I'm from Rhode Island too. And I've seen some of your like road crew stuff or whatever. And we became friends and, uh, he, he did the dust in the, um, and then like the actual, like the undead that live inside the dust. Um, he has some other stuff that we might, we'll probably put in like the second issue, um, Michael was awesome and was like, yeah, I'll do some monsters for you. And they're super gross and just cool. And Dave Hop Hoskins did the art for them. And he's just, of course, yes. amazing. And I just hope his head, you know, I hope Dave doesn't get so famous that he forgets the little guys. So, you know, with all of his art happening in books now, know, when it's right? well, it's well-deserved. He's, he's, <laughs> he's awesome. Um, once everything clears up, um, yeah, he's on our list of people to go up and visit. Yeah. Um, um, we also have Car Carmen Vance did art for us. Um, a friend of mine that I made through Instagram and slash Twitter, and I was also already friends with Dave, is um, the artist known as Acid Lich, uh, Lizzie Johnson. But if you look up for Acid Lich, she's one of the um, – it'll probably ah, come up more. okay. Um, I'm not I think she's done some stuff Mar for Don Stroud too, I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's where I recognize it. And Marissa Bruno – is yeah. a horror artist. She does like ballpoint pen and other kinds of like a lot of like folklore. And then she had some pieces that were like perfect. So actually, those weren't made for the zine, but I just commissioned her to say, hey, can I use these uh, in the zine? And they're beautiful. They're awesome. Um, Stefan did the cover. And when he, even when he saw Marissa's stuff, he's like, who? Like, I'm so glad that I saw these, <laughs> these pieces because she's amazing. Um, yeah, I was, I was I'm really lucky to like know these people. And then be able and for me to say, hey, you know, can, would you guys want to do some art for this? And for them to say yes. I would do things totally different. And I'm going to do things totally different for the, the, the new uh, issues. Um, like actually lay out 
do the layout first with the with the text and then fit the art in. But I got so excited, I pulled the I jumped the gun and pulled the trigger to get all this art. Um, but then it was like we were doing puzzle pieces of like how to fit it. Where I really enjoy good layout in the sense of like two page spread and not not a lot of overflow into the final page of having everything you need and like this this one you, know, you look down everything you need is right there. Um, but because you know I had all this art that I also wanted to get and we couldn't really finagle both. Um, so this next time we're going to do better to just like lay it out and then fit the art in. Yeah, I was going to say, it just means you have extra for next time. Yeah. So there are future zines in the plans. Yes. So we have a lot of extra stuff that we didn't fit into this issue. So that there will be at least another issue too. And I want to do a Kevin Crawford style, um, setting. He has like a lot of rollable tables. So like, instead of being like, here's the setting, I want to do like a table of like, I don't know, 50 hooks. And it has maybe a little like setting built stuff in just to help a judge if they don't, if they don't want to do it themselves, um, just get, you know, just kind of get some, uh, idea stuff flowing, get some juice going. Um, but then Joey and I and Brendan are going to be doing kind of like a eighties horror schlock adventure, um, (laughs) based on a game that Brendan ran. Uh, he ran a, uh, game therapy maybe last year where we played like mutants in high school. And I'm like, dude, this reminds me of the old trauma, you know, toxic Ooh. Avenger, um, uh, class of Newcomb high, you know, let's do a zine based on this kind of like, you know, do a cover that looks like an eighties VHS, you know, um, and it just make it an MCC, but like in a different set. And that's how I usually play MCC is I don't ever really play it in the setting as implied. I like mm-hmm. to like port it for other stuff. Um, so that's probably going to be the, that'll probably actually come out before issue two, because we already have a lot of pieces in place, um, for that one. Are you, uh, publishing it under any particular, uh, uh so I, I just called my label? own thing, Starry Wisdom Press. Okay. It was going to be Iron Mine Press. Cause that's my, my road is Iron Mine Hill Road. And Michael Curtis thinks that sounds like an awesome dwarven, like, uh, <laughs> like a keep or something. And I was going to keep it at that, but I'm like, it doesn't really kind of fit my vibe though. Right. I'm trying to go like, I like cosmic horror and folk stuff so like starry wisdom press sounds comes kind of cool and plus the cult was from providence so yeah yeah <laughs> plenty of that uh so speaking of zines this is where jen makes the ever so clever segue uh who are the lucky people heading up the locals uh the the gong farmers gong farmers local so what was gong? it number 326 or something like that? <laughs> yeah. Um, so the Gong Farmers this year, uh, Max Moon, Eric Young, and myself are the administrators for it. Congratulations, question mark. Uh, yeah. So, well, so at this point, Eric has done a lot of the heavy lifting because he's done the website stuff and gotten like the calls for submissions out. Um, Max did art for last year's Gong Farmers. So I think he's going to be kind of like the the art admin and then I'm going to tr- like tackle editing and just um and and kind of ra- like wrangling up other editors as well. Yeah, and like it's 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 a weird year for it because it's always like a Gen Con specific release, right? And we're not doing Gen Con this year. Yeah, that's what they ran into last year. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. and I'm talking to Joseph. So Joseph got his, he's getting his hands in it a little bit more, just a little bit more um uh, slight, you know, oversight on it. Um and his suggestion, which I really liked, and we talked about it, is we're going to maybe do for this year, maybe going forward from now on, who knows, 
but do maybe more of like a quarterly or more, like instead of doing 12 issues all at once, like do three issues and then three months later. And it gets people more time to kind of get stuff in and they don't have to rush. Um, and then maybe do like a special Gen Con or a Gary. Like if we pick another con, maybe Gary Con or something, um, do like a special edition release. Hmm. Um, you could almost do the the main three, Gary, Gen yeah. Con, and Game Hall. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just like like last year was like crazy. Like the com- the compiled version was like almost 800 pages long. Like that's a yeah. lot of stuff. And if they're like, <laughs> you know, just to, to drop it all at once, it's just like, mm-hmm. how about we just work on doing like three or four issues depending on how, how much stuff we get. And DCC right. is growing. So I'm, I'm assuming we're going to get more submissions. Even um, more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, speaking of, you have a last call going out, right? You've got a couple weeks. What's your yeah, deadline? Yeah, May thirteenth was like the deadline for for writing. Um, okay, I'm pretty sure it's going to like, depending on how, how much we get by May thirteenth. Like I said, there was like we don't really have we have like a a gray area for a target as far as like when we want to release by, but we don't have to worry about Gen Con. So you know, it gives us a little bit more wiggle room for our first year being the admin. That makes sense. Um, you know, Doug's a machine. They already gave us cover art. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it'd be cool. Like so when we have, I, I put out a call. Um, so obviously everyone, we, everyone in the community, we want you to, I'm and it's one of those things where I'm really trying to push, like, even if you're not an artist, I want art from you. Like I want you to, I want people to kind of do things that they're not usually in the comfort zone of. So like, cause we're not, we like, we, we talked about this and I'm like, I'm not looking to make this like, look like an amazing right we want this to look like a zine where people are just doing stuff like do cool stuff like give me a sketch you know whatever um um so if you're if you feel you know not confident about it just just do it um (laughs) and the one the one issue we're not we don't really have a unified theme yet but i want to do an issue or or more depending on how much i get but i want to do a dcc kids specific so it's kind of funny oh. because Haley and Emily Mundy are no longer children, right? But they're DCC kids. So I, I want like, so they were yeah. on my list. Um, so like kids of yore and now like our new, so so Kojo has his kids writing stuff. Um, awesome. Yeah. So that, that call went out on, on the Facebook page. I got some emails. Um, but if you're listening to this and your kids play uh, DCC, uh, please have them write. It doesn't have to be anything huge either. It could be a magic item. It could be a spell. It could be what, you know, well, actually spells are kind of beefy for people having written some for um, Dave for weird frontiers. They're actually mm-hmm. not the easiest things. All right. Um, have them scribble but, a drawing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, straight up. Like it could be stick figure stuff, you know, like, but we want it. We want to like really, you know, it's the, the kids that are going to keep this hobby going. Right. And I think it'd be cool to like, showcase them and maybe build up that love for the for the game so having them have their own issue i think is a way for that because we have i mean we have a lot of really cool kids um i want to say Haley and nita bitman were the two like really the two people i met first in all of it and and, um, and connor right um i sat at a table at, at, at uh doug con and they were like the three people i was playing with um so i was like this is amazing like we have the like there are these like children <laughs> who are just amazing. Like they're just doing the coolest stuff. And obviously they've grown up now to be, you know, awesome humans. So I, I like your vision for it. And whoever did the website for Gong Farmer's Almanac. So I, I don't great. know how much difference. I, I want to say Shiloh did 
it for last year. I looked mm-hmm. at it again, and I'm not sure if he and Eric have, aside from doing the updates, if the actual page has been shifted around too much. But um, Eric has taken over that stuff. But I, the the build that, and it looked pretty similar from last year. So I, that was all Shiloh from last year. Yeah. And hey, if you're listening, you know, one day it might be your turn because that's kind of why the three of us jumped onto it because uh, uh, Clayton and Shiloh were like, we can't do it this year. Right? And this is a community thing where like we don't want to yeah. ever see it stop going. You know, Harley started it off, I think, right in 2015. It was kind of like, you know, and we wanted to keep it going. So and then Mark grabbed it and yeah. then Clayton. Yeah. So it's kind of spiraled through the motions and which I think community. is great because it's yeah. also it's also prevented it from becoming any one person's thing. Yeah, exactly. it's not Harley's thing. It's not Shiloh's thing. It's not Tim Deshane's thing. Yeah, it's our thing, right? Yeah, yeah. It, and it really helps build the community feel. You're right, Jeff. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about, Tim? Oh, to, so I've been with Jeffrey uh, as, as well. We've been on uh, uh, Twitch a lot with Blaze against bandwidth and. Mm-hmm. Uh, why are you talking about game therapy a lot? Like this, the, the, the switch that we're doing. Um, uh, but Brendan and I, we were supposed to have launched it last month, but he's super, I mean, he's like buried in X crawl. Um, <laughs> yeah. And also running like a whole bunch of games every day on Twitch, but we're supposed to be doing a kind of like a Phil Donahue style <laughs> podcast where we're going to do it on Twitch. Um, it's going to be kind of like a judge's helpline, like hit kind of like, uh, whatever the article that he writes in the in the uh, dispatches, oh, the um, Archmage Abbey, yeah, Archmage Abbey, yeah. So kind of like that, where like he and I are just going to talk about like judge stuff, right? Um, and each episode is going to have you know a theme, and we'll kind of tackle like this one thing, but we'll also take questions from either email or the audience. Um, when it's called Quest for it, oh, cool. um, and I also wanted to do it from the side, like we talked about Spellburn. And like a lot of the rules stuff happens like a, a while ago, right? This, this podcast has been on for a very, very long time. And I said, the one thing that we have is now we have almost a decade of playing this game, right? And we've seen, you've at this point, you've kind of seen everything that you will see come up. I mean, there's always people going to surprise you, but you kind of know the, 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 what the temperature is, right, for the game. So it's kind of like a, hey, lessons learned type thing. Um and then, and it's also awesome because it's like, again, it's DCC, like no one really, I was like, Brendan, we should be like, and no one really cares what we think, you know, like play the game your way. Um, <laughs> there's hey, definitely, I, I, I don't know. That might be trademarked by this point. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in general, no one, like the RPG police aren't coming to your house and it's even more doubly true with DCC. Um, um, unless you, uh, what would go, what would make Jim mad? Unless you use luck and spell, spell checks or, um. Oh, burn uh, luck first. No, no, no. The 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 luck modifier applying to spell checks in the in the um the later printings that usually makes Jim mad. Um, or and you other can't things. burn luck on luck checks. Yes, that's counterintuitive. It is. I will die on that hill. I don't like that. I also don't. Brennan does. I don't. I don't let people burn luck on their deed die. It's something that he does, and it's because Joseph threw him under the bus. Um, I don't know. If Brennan's <laughs> ever told you that story, but that getting we're at a convention. And somebody was like, hey, man, can I burn a luck to get that deed up to a three? And he was like, and Joseph was standing right there. And Brendan was like, hey, can he burn luck to get his deed die up? And Joseph was like, eh, I don't know. I guess so. <laughs> so that was. So, <laughs> so, but I, I don't I don't agree with that. I think the face has to be up 
And it's also because you're burning luck and you're modifying two rolls, the, both the attack and damage with that one point of luck. So I don't let it, I don't allow that. Um, and I think Jim would agree with me on that one too. That's all. That's what I live just to have Jim Scatch agree with me. Like, I feel like I've, what? I've Why? really made it in DCC. If Jim's like, <laughs> yep, that could get it. You know? Oh, see, and I feel like I'm succeeding when he, when when Jim disagrees with me, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I know I'm on the right side of this argument because Jim is disagreeing. <laughs> I feel like I'm on the right side when I have run a session that Jim doesn't break. That's that's generally that's helpful. Yeah, yeah, that's that's all I know. Well, geez, uh, Tim, are you sure you're not doing anything else? Because I don't think your plate's full enough yet. Right. Um, no, I mean. This is it, unless there's more. I mean, we're, we are, the call went out for some help for the next tournament, but I don't know if it's going to be handled the same way. It's, it's, it's a new, it's a new um, adventure, obviously, but a new game in the DCC world that we're doing the tournament for. I'm sure I'll be ru- like running games for it. Um, I haven't been officially been asked to write anything for it yet. Um, I'm not sure how that's being handled. Um, I don't want to give away too much, but just put it this Understood. way, the, uh, the game that's being run for, that we're using for the tournament is a perfect tournament style DTC game. I'll just leave it at that. Gotcha. Um, oh yeah. Clear as mud. No, <laughs> I, gotcha. I gotcha. Hopefully one day, like maybe I'll get it together and actually get like a, an official Goodman, like solo. I'll be like a Julian Burnick and I'll have a. A Tim Deshane adventure. Um, I, don't have a, I don't have a Tim Deshane adventure. <laughs> <laughs> what? I, uh, that is, that is too a goal, literal though, right? today. It I, is. I, yeah, well. I no, want a Tim Deshane adventure. See, there's part of me that likes doing zine stuff on my own because I'm like beholden to no one. I mean, Joseph, if, if it was too out there, Joseph wouldn't let me put the DCC logo right. on it, right? But at the same time, I'm, I have a little bit more freedom. Right. Um, oh, a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. It, there's always like this weird thing about playing in somebody else's IP, right? And sometimes if you can get away with doing your own thing. Um, but I do love this game, and I love jo- like Joseph's an amazing, supportive uh, person. Um, not only does was he like all about me doing the zine, um, he bought like a bunch of copies, so you can get you can get print copies from the Goodman store. Um, and please do that to support him for supporting me. That's you know I think you can, might still be able to get some. At Weird Realms, uh, I think Beckett might have some. He bought some for me as well. Um, but yeah, we'll yeah. have the link in the show notes, definitely. But yeah, definitely yeah, sure. support support Goodman for supporting because he supports his uh, his fans. No joke. Um, I actually wouldn't even be going to Gen Con. I don't know, like I know this has turned into the uh, the Dark Master uh, love thread right here, but. Uh, I would have stopped going to Gen Con if Joseph had wasn't so awesome to the judges, you know, at, at various points. So um, it's it's really an amazing amazing community from the top down and bottom up. Yeah, no, I mean, no question. He has bought into the community big time, right? And he's you know just sort of a an equal, but also just has poured a lot of support into it, you know. Um, into the community and the community is answered back and it just works out pretty great. So uh, enough said. Um, Come on next year at Gen Con, we might actually get that ziggurat. Yeah. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to, 
trying to figure out where the the book spinners are going to go in relation to all of that. Maybe we can get Hobbs at a Gen Con so that way we can sacrifice him on it. What do you think, Julian? He was, uh, well, I, I, okay, I'm going to not say the first thing I was going to say, but he, wrote, he did <laughs> he did make an appearance at Gen Con. The one, he like came in for Saturday and then he left after yes. the NE ceremony. That Did he was... think it was an essential oils convention? <laughs> oh, oh <laughs> man, it's getting oof, oof. Wow. Yeah, no, you know, no, no comment. I'm not sure. I'm not sure that it what didn't for a brief time. I'm not sure it didn't turn into an essential oils convention in a sense. Also, Julian, I don't think he listened to the April Fool's Day episode yet because I haven't gotten any messages from him. Um, um, I will just say to everybody who uh, got it or didn't get it, I'm uh, still waiting for you on PayPal. Um, so if you <laughs> if you missed that subtle uh, thing, you can go back and listen to our last episode. Um, and that would be episode 110. Indeed. Yes. Indeed. That was a lot of fun to, to hear. And um, I, I guess we should give... Jeff, a little bit of credit for that one. <laughs> yes. that I, I mean, I had so. the idea, but I'm not the ones. I'm not the one who like made. I mean, this was all like the the brilliance of Tim DeShane and Carmen Vance and Deck Altamac and Haley Sketch and um, is there a fifth person I'm forgetting? No, that was all of us. I think. That was it. Yeah, I we also all, love killed it. The voice filter on Deck was great. Like <laughs> I wasn't expecting that, and when I listened to the episode, and he started, I I lost it. <laughs> um, and I wish we had again I wish we had video to go along with it because oh, Jeff yeah. on mute and just watching him like <laughs> losing his mind the whole time was great um, no but you would have had to have him silhouetted yeah. you know <laughs> witness protection exactly. filter type stuff oh, oh for Dak yeah yeah absolutely yeah. yeah that was really fun although I was a little disappointed to f- I just thought we were going to continue the thread kind of for like we were going to get on and freestyle about second edition tonight and oh for the rest of the series yeah, for, for the know, rest of Spellburn just know, pretend just, I mean, we make jokes about it on Blades Against Bandwidth all the time to Brendan now like we're going to mutiny it's in the, <laughs> it's in the second edition rules yep Maybe we've had we had two weeks in a row where we've been talking about the second edition player mutiny rules. And this <laughs> this last session, uh, Joan, who apparently has also not listened to the the, the episode, um, was like, second edition? What are you talking about? Like she was <laughs> getting all concerned in the, in, in, in the Twitch chat. I think, uh, I think maybe, for, maybe for 2022 Gong Farmers Almanac, we'll do a we'll do second edition. That could be. That, that would be really funny. That yeah. could be pretty hot. Hmm. <laughs> Did anyone take a screen cap of the video when you guys were recording? I don't think so. Could have included that as a little teaser in this year's. Well, uh, now that we have, I I suppose, gone completely off script, uh, this is probably a long episode. Sorry, not sorry. Uh, You guys know the drill. Email us at the band at Spellburn, leave iTunes reviews, send us some bumpers because those things are really entertaining. Um, find us on social media if you feel like it, no pressure. Email us, um, leave comments on the website. We have yeah, one of those. We, we have been really hopping with our comments on the website for the last three or four episodes. It's been kind of fun to see people on there. So by all means, get on there and check it out. And as a quick aside, we did have a little bit of a uh, technical difficulty with the storage of some of our attachments. So if you find anything that you can't click through, just leave us a quick note and we'll get it right back up for you. 
Um, and with that, uh, Tim, any last words? No, thank you so much for fine. I mean, I feel I feel bona fide now, even more than probably <laughs> have you know. Instead, of even more than having a credit, I, I was on, I've been a guest on Spellburn. This is awesome. Um, no, but yes, thank you, you guys, and, and to everyone that's that supported the community, and you know, obviously me with the Kickstarter and, and continue to buy stuff. So that's awesome. Thank you. That's good stuff, Jeff Julian. Mm, just uh, you know, keep on working on your second edition plans, and um, I think uh, hopefully we'll see you around the table at GameholeCon. That's gonna come hell or high water. That's gonna be I'm gonna be there in person. If it's a hazmat suit, so be it. And all I gotta say is uh, stick around for the next 110 episodes, which will be devoted to Metamorphosis Alpha, The Sims 4, and <laughs> Old School Essentials, and John Wayne Gacy's <laughs> childhood. <laughs> and it seems kind of apropos to say don't split the party unless the party's already split you've been listening to Spellburn copyright 2017Theme song has been graciously provided by Glitter Wizard. Learn more at glitterwizard.fancamp.com.